My next guest is a Queensland local and an avid traveller who is currently on his Tier 5 visa in London. He has represented New Zealand in the Under-18 Hawks AFL squad. I met him at a YouTube video shoot for Devon Supertramp, which has subsequently gone viral with over 15 million views on YouTube and has been passed around pages like UniLad. This dude is the life uh, is living the lifestyle and certainly making the most and making most people jealous. Please welcome to the show Daniel Carsten. Yeah, thanks for having me, mate. That's okay, mate. Hey, thanks for reaching out and wanting to be a guest on the podcast. I, I really do appreciate it. No, of course, Nabi. It's uh, it'll be good to have a chat. Yeah, and good to hear another Kiwi accent on the uh, <laughs> on the on the podcast. It's been predominantly American so far, but I was just saying that you're getting that slightly English uh, English tweak to your to your accent now. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, no one's really told me until you've mentioned it, but I sort of the problem where people don't understand me at work, that staff members and guests at the hotel. So I've still got to work on slowing my voice down at the minute. Do you know, I got I got caught out once um, when I was working in Covent Garden at a, at a ski snowboard shop. I was like, oh, are you going tramping? And obviously <laughs> tramping isn't a thing in the UK. They thought I meant standing on homeless people. <laughs> <laughs> So really, yeah, yep. I uh, I got I got a um a complaint, and I got told uh, like he he didn't realize at the time, and, and after I told him like he he laughed and thought it was hilarious. Um, so my first question was um is how 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 is lockdown? Um, I I did have in here as you were um an essential worker, you were working in one of the hotels which was housing the NHS workers, um, but you're now on furlough. So uh, how is how is lockdown? Well, lockdown in the UK, I mean, it's not strict compared to like the other European countries or I've seen read on the news back in New Zealand. Like you can still go out for exercises. You can still go out to like Wilco's and all these kind of shops. It's just like the clothing stores really that are locked down. So, and if you do get stopped by the police, you just need to say, um, I'm going for exercise and I'll let you go. So, I mean, we are, I'm trying to stay in the house anyway, just trying to reduce the spread of it all but there are still a lot of people going out and really not um uh listening to what the government is saying so it is it is different to the other european countries that we're hearing but i mean most people listening but you still got the people going out just in the parks not listening as well because i mean it's easter weekend and it's super sunny so people are just going like i'm just gonna go to the park but you got most parks as well that are closing as well so you just gotta deal with that i guess saw an article on um, Sky News UK um, this morning. Last four days, police in Manchester have had to close down 496 house parties. 496? That's a fair lot. There's a lot of people disobeying the the lockdown, which is absolutely crazy. Like, especially with how how many numbers the UK has. Yeah, it's not as bad as Italy and, and Spain, but Man, it is it is still popping off over there compared to some other countries. Um, yeah. is, is it scary being in another country while this uh, whole pandemic is going on? Um, for me, not so much because all the countries have got the same situation. I've got a girlfriend here anyway, so I would want to be I want to be with her instead of going back home because he's always the same situation. So for me, I don't really have that homesickness or fear factor of being away from. New Zealand so for me it's not too much of an issue yeah 
Well, that's really good. I've talked to another couple of my friends that are in the UK and some of them are uh, petrified about being there and wish they went home earlier, but it's good to hear that you're doing okay. And, um, and obviously having, uh, someone who you, uh, yeah, living with, um, and obviously like sharing the house with is, um, is in London as well. So, uh, other Kiwis aren't so fortunate. So that's good to hear that you're doing okay over there. Did you ever think about coming home? Uh, for a few months before heading back out, or no, never really I, crossing mind. I was I was scrubbing my parents a lot, and uh, they're like, "Oh, come home! You can stay with us." Well, my mum really. My dad's like, "No, just stick it out. You'll be fine." Yeah, mum wanted me to come home, but no, I didn't have the to go home. It, it didn't really cross my mind to 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 go home because it's the same situation. So my because pretty much my life's here at the moment. I've got a, a flat here, yeah. I've got a job. Even I'm not working at the moment, I'm still getting eighty percent pay. So. I don't really have that urge going. Yeah. So uh, with the furlough, um, in New Zealand, uh, the government's paying, yeah, 80%, and then your company is actually expected to top up that 80% to um, the 100% of your wage. Are they doing that in the UK or n- not Not really? It's up to the businesses. Um, our business is uh, not doing it. They're just paying us the um, 80%, um, so they're not topping us up, which... You know, I'll prefer the hundred percent, but it is what it is. So I'm still happy. I'm still getting eighty percent of my pay and not working. So yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. So, um, how have you enjoyed living in London so far? I feel like uh, the eleven months that I lived in London was way too long for me personally. Um, don't get me wrong, beautiful city. I think it's like a fantastic city to um to live in. But I I think for me personally, uh, I would. It's more of like a a visiting city where I spend a few days in and then go back home somewhere else but for you how how you enjoy living in it I kind of share the same view as well a little bit um I mean when I first moved here um I thought yeah, this is great I use it as a, tra- a, a, a base to travel around Europe and across the rest of the world but then for me London gets a little bit boring like once you're seen seen it all it's it's a bit boring but it's a great place to travel and I'll in my first 12 months to 16 months or whatever it was, I was just traveling every two months, going to new places across Europe. I was going to Asia because it's so cheap to fly to Asia from London as well, going to New York and Portland and uh, the States as well. So it's a great place to live in your twenties as uh, to travel if you really love traveling, but to live here without the traveling, I, I don't think it's uh it's expensive it as is well, very so expensive i was just going to touch on that it's yeah hard, it's hard to save money as well i was lucky when i first moved i moved into east london and most average houses for a room is between like 500 to 700 pounds per month i found a flat that was for a room a good size room as well that's 355 a month jeez whereabouts so in, whereabouts in east london was that uh latest so it's on the central line. So it's only like two stops from Stratford and then just take Stratford to work. So it's not that far. It's still zone three. Yeah. So it's not too far from to London. So I was paying paying three fifty five, so it's not too bad. Do you, yeah, do, so I was able to save and able to travel. I mean I'm uh, do you know what's quite ironic? I actually lived in Leytonstone as well. You lived in Leytonstone? Yeah. I lived on Cavendish Drive. Uh, okay. I lived in Harold. Road, just just off the tube station. Yeah, yeah. So, um, are you are you on the you come out of the tube station? Are you on like the town side or the 
the the town side. The town side. Yeah. See, I'm on like the the housing side, the residential uh, side, and you go down there like five minutes, and I was just there. So okay. There's a there's a. I, now, I um I now live in Woolwich now, but I used to live in uh, Leytonstone until like November. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Um, there's quite a few Kiwis and Aussies that hang around East London. It's not a bad area. Um, I I was going through. Um, I I don't know if you ever heard about the "You Ain't No M- Muslim Bruv" movement that happened in the UK. There was a a dude with a machete um, that took to someone at at Leydenstone Station. And I, me and my girlfriend at the time, had decided to stay um, in, where were we? We were in Waterloo and decided to have a coffee in Waterloo. But if we didn't stop for that coffee, we were going through Leighton. We would have been getting off the train at Leightonstone Station when that dude was uh, was doing that. So that was uh, that was pretty scary. Yeah, well, we live in uh, Woolwich now and there's a, it's not the... It's not the safest place, but it's not the most dodgy, but it's more towards dodgy side. And there are some stories we've heard of like, oh, you just got to keep an eye out in these kind of parts of London because you just don't want to be that person who gets in the wrong wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially like North London, sort of Tottenham way. Yeah, you don't want to be around there without knowing people. <laughs> it can get quite rough. So, um... Uh, are there any plans to move to any other parts of the UK before your five-year visa runs out? Um, and if so, where do you want to move? Uh, no, we we're actually saving to... The plan was, before this coronavirus hit, we are going to save money until uh, November, and then in November travel one-way ticket to Beijing and then fly all through China into Southeast Asia, travel all through that into Bali before flying back home to New Zealand. That would have taken us... We we're planning to do nine months, but now that's been put on hold. We've just postponed it to March. Yeah. Hopefully, they'll, uh, it's a year time. Hopefully, this pandemic will uh, go away, and then we'll hopefully we'll do that trip then. So we don't plan on staying in the UK. Yeah. Plan on going to um, New Zealand for a couple of years in Australia, but yeah, no, just just London. Save the money before we uh, before and we go. Is your girlfriend British or is she from? She's Italian. She's Italian. How how is her family holding up over there? Yeah, well, they're uh, north or central to north of Italy, so it's but more where the pandemic's hitting. So yeah, they're in a, a very very strict isolation at the moment, so they can't even leave the house without a piece of paper and a permit. So they, they only leave to go to the supermarkets, and so it's very very strict there. But they're holding up quite nicely. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Um, but good to hear that they're safe and well as well. Um. Having followed a bit of your travels, uh, you have definitely gone around the globe, that's for certain. Um, which has been your favourite country you've visited so far and why? Uh, Vietnam. I did a solo trip when I was 19. Did a month and a half in Vietnam and Malaysia. Um, that was my favourite trip because I just, it was the first major trip I did by myself at 19. And it was just incredible. The culture, the culture shock was I didn't expect it, but I loved it. I love the food. The best food I've ever had. My favorite, my favorite um, cuisine is Vietnamese, which is a major reason why I went to Vietnam. Um, but just the activities, um, just everything about it, I absolutely love the hostel life because I met. I just went there by myself, but you end up meeting people mm. who I'm still in contact with now, who I've met up with in Melbourne, who I've met up with in London. I met up 
in um, Portland, Maine, in America, and New York. So you just meet all the people in those. I think the trip was amazing, but meeting these people as well definitely adds to the trip because you go out for a night out. Yeah. Um, go on, and then you travel with them. You go to Halong Bay. You go used to everything, and that was my favorite trip. Halong Bay is meant to be really cool. I haven't been to Vietnam yet, but um, yeah, I've heard really good things about Halong Bay um, and yeah, that Bay sort of northern of area of Vietnam. Yeah, Halong Bay is like, it's amazing to see, but it's very, very popular. Like, it's so touristy. You, oh, can't even okay, get yeah. a nice, you can't even get a nice picture without another boat or another person in that picture. So it is nice, but it... Um, the, the, the tourists, obviously, you're a tourist as well, so you can't really complain, but it does take away the wow factor, but it's still amazing. Yeah. No, that's cool, man. Uh, any other places you, you rate pretty high? And a surprising trip was New York. I didn't expect to like New York. I, I, I went to New York to stay for a couple of days and then go to Maine to go skiing with my mate who I met in Vietnam. And um, But I actually stayed in New York longer than I actually thought because I... <sighs> I was just so blown away by it. I think because I had such low expectations for it, I was like, oh, it's New York, it's another city. But I just fell in love with it. I found that trip really, really, really good. Um, so that was a surprising trip that I liked. I don't know why, but I really enjoyed it. That's really cool, man. It's, um, yeah, New York's on my bucket list. It's a little bit further down, um, but I definitely want to hit there at some point. What has been the cheapest, uh, the cheapest, trip you have managed to do um out of the uk i managed to get a 13 pound return flight to cologne germany uh for a day trip um and i got like a 15 pound return flight to copenhagen for a day trip as well have you managed to take up any of those sort of ryanair deals um i think i did one to uh on my first ever trip out of uh london um i think i got a super cheap flight it was last minute for like 20 pound return to Amsterdam. I just bought it like two days out as well. So I think it's the cheapest trip I've brought return. Yeah, that's pretty good. I love Ryanair. Yeah, the service is very good and quite often they cancel on you. But hey, like when it does work out, the, the, I mean, it's, it's so cheap. Yeah. I mean, I had my friends come over for my birthday last year. We went to Norway. We went to um, Croatia. And uh, he just couldn't believe how cheap the flights were. He just didn't believe it because I told him, like, we can buy a flight to. Oslo, Norway for like 30 pound return or like 30 pound, whatever. Yeah. He's like, no, you, you can't get it for $60. It's not possible. Like it's physically not possible. Then I brought the tickets. Like, how did you do that? It, it's just, those things don't exist back home. Like you can't get a cheap flight from Queenstown to Auckland for $60. It'll cost you 150. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. Uh, even you Plymouth to Auckland, you're still looking at like 90 to $120 return. Mm. Yeah. No, there's just so much um, competition in the in the air market over there. It's ridiculous. Um, so what do you do in your downtime while you're in the UK? So I'm a massive football fan. So when I was um, uh, when I was in the UK, I just tried to get to as many like football games, English Premier League games. Um, do you do you like football? This just it's the vibe. The f- nothing can beat uh, a f- game match day. The the lead up to the lead up to the stadium, um, like everything everything about it, it's it's incredible. It is a it is is a very different experience compared to going to an AFL or rugby match because in those matches 
the fans generally just sit when something exciting happens, you would clap and chant. But in football, it's completely different. The fans, I have never seen anything like them. They are absolute nutters, but it's a good atmosphere. I never used to like football. I never watched a game of football before I moved here. Even when I did, even now, I would never watch a game of football on TV. Yeah. We were a game is different. I'm a fan, so we're, we're in the championship league at the moment. Um, and I got into film because my best mate is a film fan, so we go with him to go to the film fan uh, to the film matches. Yeah. And the and the the atmosphere at a football game is there's not ever a silent period in a football yeah. match. There's always fans chanting or giving it to the other fans, saying abusive words to the other fans, which I still don't understand because they did nothing to do to them. It was the um, it was the referee or the players. Yeah. But it's it's just chaotic. It's it's uh, mental. And one thing I I still need to get I got used to now is the separation of the fans because yeah. fights will break out. Uh, yeah, you got the away first, end, and then you've got yeah, the yeah, you got the way yeah. yeah. We went to a, a a derby or derby, however you pronounce it, from wherever you're from. But it was a London derby, and it was uh, Charlton versus Fulham, and we had to stay in the stadium and let the home fans go first because uh, the police thought there would be fights and you have horses keeping you in so you can't leave and you don't want to mess up one of those horses because they will they're pretty scary those little horses so yeah it's uh, it, it is a it, it's different but I, I really do enjoy going to the football match because the atmosphere is incredible watching football on TV no not my cup of tea but going to the uh, stadium is a, is a diff, uh, different feeling and it's electrifying. Yeah, that's really cool. I've been to Craven Cottage before as well. Um, I my team Blackburn Rovers uh, played Fulham at Craven Cottage, so I was I was at the away end watching the game. It was pretty pretty epic experience. And then uh, in Premier League team, I'm a Chelsea fan, so I've been to Stamford Bridge quite a few times and watched them play. So that was pretty cool. What else are you doing your downtime while you're there? Oh, well, I play um, AFL here in London as well. There's so an AFL league there. Moment. Yeah, it's bigger than New Zealand. Actually, it's quite it's quite big. It's uh, I think there's there's eight clubs. Each club has th- uh, three men's teams and one women's team. And it seasons meant to start on the twenty on Anzac Day, twenty fifth of April, but because of the corona, it's been postponed. But it runs for like ten to twelve weeks. So I um, we just had preseason, so I've been training, just kicking a ball around, just. Um, just been practicing my footy really. That's what yeah. I do in my spare time. And um, what else do I do in my spare time? That's pretty much it. It's just footy and football kind of things at yeah. the moment. No, um, that's cool. Yeah, and try and travel as much as I can because in hospitality, sometimes you get like three or four days off in a row. See so if you've got that, you make the most of it. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. Um, given the audience is very international, do you mind explaining what AFL actually is? Yes, yeah, so AFL is a stands for Australian Football League. And it's uh, it's very hard to describe if you don't have a TV in front of you, but it's it's kind of like a hybrid game between like rugby, basketball, volleyball, netball. It's all these kind of um, hybrid sports where you have 18 players per team. So there's 36 players on the field at one time. And the field is like double uh, soccer or football or uh, rugby size. So it's quite, quite big. And the aim of the game is get the ball into – two particular sets of posts. There's four posts on each side of the field and you got forwards, midfields, backs, like football kind of thing, but there's no offsides. You can't throw the ball. 
you must hand pass it, which is like fisting it off the other hand, and you have to kick the ball. It's it's a very hard game to explain if you don't have yeah. anything in front of you, but if anyone's listening, just search up AFL on YouTube. Yeah, and YouTube. Videos of people explain um, AFL, or if you just click on a on a any highlight video, you'll be able to see. It looks it looks like a mess. It looks like a mess, but it's an organized mess with structures. Yeah, um, yeah, and you need to be um, relatively tall and and um, muscly because it's a physical contact game. Um, but yeah, you don't have to be uh, tall because you have the midfielders, which are a bit smaller. So you don't have to be big. You don't have to be small. You just need to have a bit of muscle on you to take the contact. A lot of bumping. Um, yeah, it's not like NFL where you've got pads and helmets. It's yeah. more full-on man-on-man tackle. And you've also got the W, oh, the AFLW. Now it's a, it's a professional uh, women's league, which is in its uh, third third year and then i've shown some guys of aflw and they're like these women are harder than the football players <laughs> yeah as soon as they touch they just go on the ground so i've broken my leg with these women again smash all over the place and they just get out like nothing happens so <laughs> i've showed all my friends here and they're uh they're like they're, they, they, they think they're superheroes there's um quite a few similarities between uh afl or aussie rules and gaelic football isn't there Yes, yeah, there's a hybrid game at the end of the season called International Rules. So it's a bit of AFL and Gaelic football combined, and it's Australia versus Ireland. And um, they play, um, they alternate. So one year it'll be Ireland, one year it'll be Australia. So they're very, very similar. The only difference is really is um, you can't really tackle in Gaelic, and it's played with a, a football, not a rugby shaped ball. But apart from that, it's very, very similar. Yeah, wow, that's really cool. Uh, what made you pick AFL instead of, let's say, uh, rugby or or traditional football, um, especially in New Zealand where AFL is not big at all? No, um, I was born in uh, Queenstown, and when I was six months, my folks moved to uh, Melbourne. So I grew up in Melbourne for like six or seven years, and that's how I was uh, brought up in the sport. So I... Um, Obviously, you play Auskick, which is when you're a little kid, you go to the Sunday Auskicks and you have a kick around and they teach you the game of football. You play like touch footy. So that's how I was brought up onto the sport. And then when I was like six or seven, we moved back to um, New Zealand. And for me, rugby was just too slow because yeah. AFL is a quick pace, high tackling, high adrenaline sport. And I came back to rugby and everything's just in a, in a line, just moving forward. And it was just too stop starting for me so I couldn't really get into rugby so I just kept with the AFL and the reason I got into AFL in New Zealand playing it was every like six months I'd check the AFL New Zealand website and back in the day it used to look like a high school assessment kind of website thing you had to do for my <laughs> team class look terrible but every month I was every couple of months I was checking it to make sure if they've got any updates where I can play and then one day they just updated it so it looked like a proper professional website Got dad to contact the um, the uh, the trainer or the CEO of AFL, and um, he said, "Come down to Hamilton. We've got a club. We've got club footy there." So I used to play club footy for the Waikato Thunder in Hamilton. I used to travel. My parents used to travel an hour and a half drive every Sunday for me to play when I was fourteen, fifteen. Then I got selected for the MPC, which is like the National Combine. Got into the Combine, and then. Um, was lucky enough to get selected for the National Academy and then I got drafted into the Premiership 
and then it just went from there. And I was able to play for the New Zealand Hawks for the under-18s in Australia. But, yeah, it all just started. I used to keep constantly checking the website. Yeah. And that's how I really got playing footy in New Zealand instead of just watching it. How how was it playing in New Zealand? Um, how, how, how many teams are there? Uh, so in club footy. So club footy, you've got multiple clubs in Auckland. I think you've got like 12 or 15 clubs in Auckland. Then you've got like one in Hamilton, which is now folded, but they're trying to bring it back up, I saw. You've got five or six in Wellington, five or six in Christchurch. You've got two in Otago or three in Otago. So that's for club footy, but then you've got your premiership sides and that's all the best from the clubs that will make up six, four to six teams. And they all travel to Auckland's every Sunday to play each other. Yeah. So everyone will fly up from Otago or drive up from Hamilton, everything like that. So, but it all starts in club footy. If you get, if you're good enough for club footy, then you get selected for premiership and then you can go in from there. So it is very much a growing sport in New Zealand because they bought, yeah. they, they bought the AFO, uh, AFL over. Uh, they get like two teams to play in New Zealand yeah. um, at least once a season. Yeah, well, don't uh, they? That was uh, 2013, 14 and 15. It's the St Kilda because they, they put money into AFL New Zealand. So they help sponsor AFL New Zealand so that they help pay for yeah. it to grow in the country because there's quite a few New Zealanders playing for St. Kilda over in Australia. So yeah. they're trying to help it grow here. But I was actually, what I was lucky enough because I was for the under 18s, we got tickets to go to the St. Kilda Carlton game in 2015 at Westpac Stadium in Wellington. And then I was lucky enough to be the ball boy behind the goal. So whenever the whenever they kicked a behind, I used to throw the ball back to the players before the crowd used to get it. That was quite a cool experience. Yeah, that would have been an amazing experience. Um, and who is your favourite team? Uh, Geelong. Oh, the Cats. Okay. Yep, they had a yeah, good yeah. season last year. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> we lost a prelim. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you guys, you guys were having such a good season until until then. So, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I was I was living in Melbourne when that happened. So yeah, <laughs> there was some pretty devo people around. Um, how was living in Queenstown? Uh, what are the pros and cons of living down there? Obviously, um, being such a touristy town, it is very expensive. Um, there's not a lot of accommodation options, like rental options available because most people are putting on Airbnb because it's, uh, you, you're earning a lot more through Airbnb than you would on a on a normal rental. Um, and would you move back to Queenstown once your travels are done? Uh, yes, in a heartbeat. I would love to move back to Queenstown. Uh, that's the best place I've lived, I think, because no, definitely the best place I've lived. Uh, the pros of Queenstown definitely outweigh the cons of Queenstown. There are so much things to do in Queenstown. You've got the spectacular environment and scenery. You've got the mountains. You've got, the, you've got Lake Wakatupu, which is just incredible. It's, there's, there's, nothing, there's always something to do. Um, I was quite lucky enough to work in a hotel, a five-star hotel, where Everyone coming to Queenstown is coming to Queenstown for a particular reason. They want to do an activity or they're celebrating a special occasion and they want to celebrate it in a cool and unique way. And because there's so many things to do in Queenstown, it's called the adventure capital of the world. The best way to sell these activities to people was by doing them. And that's how you get better knowledge of the product. So I 
was hired as a concierge and every day off I was doing something different. I would send an email to Shot Over Jet, which is like the, uh, the jet boat that goes around Queenstown. And I get that to do, I would do helicopter rides. I'd do, I'd do um, heli-skiing. I'd be doing gondola rides. I'd be doing all these kind of things. And this is paid and, for by the hotel? Yes. Okay, that's pretty so, epic, not going to lie. Every, every, every day off. <laughs> Every day off, I was I was doing something. I got free season passes. I've got free helicopter rides. Went to Doubtful Sound. Went to Milford Sound. Free bungee jumps. Free just anything, and you got to experience them. So for me, it was quite lucky. Yeah, I, I got to do these things. But even even the free activities like hiking or going on the lake, there's just yeah incredible things to do. And it's such a touristy place. You're always meeting different people. That's that's very true, and it's not for everyone. Obviously, the the whole touristy no. vibe. You you definitely have to be a certain personality to to enjoy um, having tourists in your city. You have to be the super open minded one, the one that can start conversations um, out of the blue with with people from different walks of life. And I'm definitely like that, so I'm sure I'd enjoy um, Queenstown. But there's definitely other people that that wouldn't like that yeah. sort of side to Queenstown as much. But you kind of forget it as well when you live there as well because you you, you always meet people that will, who will come and go because Queenstown's a very seasonal place. You will stay yeah. there for six months for the winter season and then you move to um, Whistler for the ski, for the ski season yeah. there and you go back and forth or whatever. Or you come for the summer. Yeah. But there's always going to be the people that stay there forever. There's something called the Queenstown Trap, which I was very conscious of. I never knew about it until I moved there. The Queenstown Trappers and pretty much all my friends fell into the Queenstown Trap while I was there. You only come for a season. Ten years later, you're still there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, there's a, the the dude on the last podcast, Ryan. Um, he's in Queenstown at the moment, and he's fully in love with the place. So watch watch the space with Ryan. I'm sure he's probably going to be stuck there yeah. at the end of the year, and or going to keep coming back each ski season or something like that. Um, and just, I was very conscious of that. Yeah. And just a uh, final question to tie things up. Um, so you already touched on like sort of your plan, um, what you wanted to do uh, after the UK. You wanted to travel to China and go through Southeast Asia. What is the long-term plan uh, once all that's done? You're going to settle back in Queenstown and go back into the, to the sort of the hospitality industry or you want to change things up and do something else or... I want to change things up and do something else. I'm, I'm over hotels. I don't want to be in hotels anymore. Um, so I'd like to become a police officer back home in New Zealand. Um, so once we do our travels, we get settled down, hopefully Australia or New Zealand, depending. I'm not too, I'm not too fussed because I can become a police officer in Melbourne as well. So the, that's, that's the long-term goal, to become a police officer. Yeah. Um, where, if that's going to be Queenstown or Melbourne, I don't really mind. But, but- yeah, definitely... Is there a police college? Officer. Is there a police college in the South Island, or do you have to go up to Parirua for it? I have to go to Parirua for sixteen yeah. weeks to do the police college. It's paid then, for as well, which is good. Yeah, that's not too bad. Yeah, you just, just hope you get um, you, you you can choose where you want to go as well mm. in the police, so you can say I'm going to be in Rotorua or yeah. Queenstown. So hopefully, I can get my preferred option if it's in New Zealand. Fun, but if it's in, funny you say that as well, mate. Um, that is like I've still got a. a good couple of years before I'm trying to decide what exactly I want to do with my life. But uh, I'm the same as you. Uh, Police force is definitely on the list of things I might want to look at once I 
get back to if I get back to New Zealand, I might fall in love with Canada and get PR over there. But who knows? Um, but yeah, police officers well, definitely. Thing, well, I was after looking at uh, the Corona situation. I mean, the people who are still on a job are the police. Yeah, so uh, I'll always have a job, which is a good thing. That's very true. Hey, uh, thanks very much, man. I know it's so it's super early in the UK, um, especially while you're on lockdown, like getting up at like 9am to talk to me. So I really do appreciate that. Um, and yeah, I hope you stay safe and sane while you're locked up. Um, and yeah, we'll have to catch up either in the UK or somewhere else in the world uh, at some point. Yeah, definitely. No, yeah, it's been, it's, it's been good uh, chatting. Yeah, thanks, man. Much appreciated. Good. Thanks, mate. Thank you.